Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Well, thank you very much, uh, Pastor Phil and Julie, for inviting us to such a significant season in the life of a church. Uh, We love Vision Builders. Uh, We've been a part of Vision Builders in our church uh, for decades, literally decades. And uh, I know that it's it's in Vision Builders seasons that the story of a church is written. Because that's when a community comes together and dreams, God dreams, right? And, and believe together that we can do something outrageous and, and make the name of Jesus famous in the local community, but as well as doing the things that we're doing locally to think beyond and, and to make a difference around the world. So I uh, have not considered this to be, oh, you know, that's nice. I'm, I'm going to go to to see three Tugger and I get the opportunity to minister, uh, I feel like I'm on holy ground because the, the dream that God gives a local church only comes to pass when his people stand up in faith and sacrifice. And I know I'm standing, I guess, a few meters above holy ground right here, <laughs> but uh, I, I feel like I'm... I'm entering into just for a moment as, as a part of your C3 family into your story to bring an encouragement and some things I've been seeking the Lord for, but that you're writing something that's going to bring glory to God of the impact that you'll make here and beyond. So thank you for the invite. We do not consider uh, this to be anything less than a great privilege for us to come. Uh, and we're also, every, I mean, when we come to Tugger, we love seeing people that we've just got to know over the years, uh, that we've got to know as students, as graduates, that you uh, have so many graduates. Thank you for being a sending church that, that actively says, hey, we think it would be good for you to be equipped to live a life that will make uh, a, an impact and bear fruit for Jesus. And so can I just see those hands again? Who's been to college at some stage over the years, currently at college right now? Yeah, it's great. We have our after the, uh, after the lecture question and answer time, which is really good. I, I love inquiring minds, wanting to know, you know, how's this work? What's this all about? And, and I'm kind of wired like that too, so uh, absolutely brilliant. And uh, we were only three weeks ago in Nairobi. So you want to hear fresh off the press C3 Nairobi report. Uh, Garth and Jamie Lee are doing brilliantly. They're doing such a good job. You guys can be so proud of them. Uh, it, is, it is not for the faint-hearted to plant a church. It is not for the faint-hearted to plant a cross-cultural church. And uh, th- there's like everything you can possibly imagine that is high skill level and difficulty is wrapped up in that little package. And yet they are thriving. They are making disciples. They have got great Kenyan and a, a sprinkling of expatriate disciples there. And, and we're just loving meeting every time we go, new people, people who are strong, growing up. They're loving church. Uh, 
sad to say in East Africa, there's a few models of church that aren't that healthy. And, and people can sometimes go to those churches and then go, oh, man, they're disillusioned and, and we got ripped off or something bad happened. And they are going to this disciple-making church and going, ah, this is what I've been waiting for. This feels like home. Uh, we met a, a young guy, John, who was in one of the, the slums and is now a member of C3 Nairobi. And, and he, he was saying to Garth, yeah, right. You, you tell me this stuff when you've been to one of our slums and tell me this stuff works. And, and uh, he's now just this transformed young man, loving Jesus, knowing that well, this is the real deal and I can be an answer to, to the city that I live in. So, um, so congratulations. You know, and, I, and I just want to honor your pastors. What, what did you just say before, Julie? How many years have you guys been pastoring? 20, 21 years in July. See, that, that, that is an immediate qualification of hero in the kingdom of God right there. And, and to have a vision for this great part of the world on the central coast, but to be dreaming beyond that, I think we should just put our hands together and honor your pastors <clears throat> for fighting the good fight. But I, I love it because there's just this joy and seeking the Holy Ghost on you. And I just, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like Pastor Phil. <clears throat> Full of joy, believing God. Awesome, awesome stuff. Well, <clears throat> we are looking today at kingdom finances as a part of Vision Builders. And I was just delighted when Jilly got in contact and said, well, could you tackle some of the practical stuff? some of the stewardship stuff, some of the wisdom around finances. You know, I'm a super practical guy. I think the last time I was here, actually, it was uh, we, were, we were presenting the vision for Nairobi. The time before that, well, I did faith and science. So it looks like if I come to, what am I going to do next time? How to build a building in Jesus. Or, you know. uh, so it's the practical stuff, but I, I love doing that because it's empowering because it's equipping. It's amazing what knowledge does. Knowledge coming from the Word empowers and equips and enables us. And, you know, just looking at, uh, and, I, and I have had this for a little while, because Julie sent me a PDF of this, that, that we're giving towards uh, retiring the debt on the building and, and establishing this facility towards the kids' facility. And just as we were driving in, I said, there's a new bit right there going up. Love that. To uh, also just beyond what's happening in this community to the community that this church is situated in with C3 Cares. And then you guys just thought, well, let's, why, why don't we just go right across the Indian Ocean and do something over there in Kenya as well? And you have, and you are, and I, and I want to let you know something about C3 Nairobi. It will be a lead church in that nation and in that region. The DNA is in there already, and God is watering it. And that's, that's, that's a seed you've sown in that place. And so <clears throat> finances are a big deal when it comes to the kingdom of God. If I was to do a quick survey today and uh, just ask, well, you know, what's, what's happening in your world with finances? I could get a, a reaction that goes something like, well, uh, 
you know, we're believing God and, and we've kicked some goals and, and we're saving up and, and, and we're quite encouraged. Now, that would be an awesome response. I could get a response that goes, well, uh, a lot of disappointment and discouragement around that. We can have finances that are a blessing and we just go, my goodness, this is awesome. Or it could be something which is a bit of a place that we don't like talking about. It's a place of despair. And as I was preparing for this morning, I felt God has got something for everyone. That this could be, the, you know, the, the, the sales are set. We're going strong and, and we're in this wonderful place. And God is going to help you just to adjust those sales to catch everything He's got in store for you with your financial world. Or we could be here today just thinking, oh my goodness, I've been smashed. This ain't good. And yet God is going to put hope in you today that He is a Redeemer. He has got a way forward and you will have a story to tell of what a good God you serve. Amen? So I'm believing that God is going to do something extraordinary in this place today. Here's a quote for you from a guy called Greg Laurie, who's an author and a pastor. And uh, he said this, the Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 on faith, and more than 2,000 on money. In fact, 15% of everything Jesus ever taught was on the topic of money and possessions, more indeed than his teachings on heaven and hell combined. Wow. So, This is a big deal. The Bible says a lot about it, and it is fantastic that this church speaks about finances from the pulpit. I loved that a part of Vision Builders was stewardship, because stewardship empowers. Stewardship equips. Stewardship is thinking about the members of the church and making disciples of them holistically, not just, okay, um, Let's, let's get the spiritual elements right and have a good prayer life and read the Bible. But let's have those foundations and let's look at people doing well in every part of their world. So I thought, what a great approach. Now, we've heard the word stewardship before I got up this morning. I'm using it a lot. Indeed, this is going to be a foundation principle of what we're looking at today. So I thought we might spend a little bit of time on it. So I'm going to do some principles, a little bit about the why, before I get into the nitty-gritty of the how. Because if we're not convinced on the why, doesn't matter what cool things I say about the how, you'll be sitting there going, irrelevant, doesn't impact me. So I want to spend a little bit of time on the why. And a big deal about the why is this principle of stewardship. Now, a couple of verses, Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That is a mind-blowing statement that we cannot wrap our minds around, and yet it is true that our God owns the world and all that is in it. It would not have an existence unless he called it into being. And every person in this world, whether they acknowledge it or not, are his. Haggai 2.8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. What? Which bits? All of it. All of it. So this 
is the foundational understanding of what stewardship is. Look at Colossians 1.16. All things have been created through him and for him. Therefore, it's all his. This is a radical thing when the journey of this understanding goes from, yeah, yeah, you're not going to get an argument from me on that one, Pat. And it's just an intellectual understanding to it lodging in our hearts. And we go, I get it. I'm his. Everything I have is his. The time that I've been given is a gift from him. The talents I have, the opportunities I have, this life on the planet is a gift from Him. The resources that are in my hands are His. My goodness. I've been given what belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and He's placed it in my hands. Oh, my goodness. So what am I going to do with what he's placed in my hands during these short years that I've got on this planet? That is the revelation of a steward. That is how a steward thinks. It's not like I've got some cash in my wallet, I've got some cash in the bank, and, and uh, whatever, I'll just spend it on whatever. That we're thinking about, praying about, and planning with our finances for how we would honor our God and make a kingdom impact. That's different, isn't it? It's different to just a, oh, yeah, 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 we give offerings and stuff. Yeah, that's cool. It's what he's given me is a gift. I am a steward. In other words, I get to make decisions about something which belongs to another, which has been put in my hands. I've only got so much time on this planet. How will I do this so that it honors God? How will I do this so that it's a part of His kingdom purposes? Wow. (laughs) We get to do this. So stewardship is you possess, but He owns. You earn, but God enables. You are God's and everything you have is God's. Now, Amanda and I had a, a, an understanding of this way early in, in our marriage. And uh, I thank God that, that even before we had kids, I can't even remember when we did this, hun, but it was probably within the first year of our marriage, we went to a thing called Your Money Matters by Malcolm McGregor, right? a seminar at C3 Brookvale, which is where we were then, right? So I'm talking about back in the day. And so we spent all Saturday learning about, wait for this is exciting stuff, budgeting, uh uh-huh, good debt, bad debt, all these things. And I just, I thank God because that day I got wisdom around stewardship. And wisdom, I'd rather get a gift of wisdom than than a million bucks because wisdom creates wealth. You know, you give me a million bucks without wisdom, well, that came quick and it's going to go real quick. But give me wisdom from the Word. My goodness, I can start handling 
this treasure that God's put in my hand well to make a difference. The thing I love about stewardship is that money becomes an awesome tool. You see, money is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. And when we get why God's given it to us, it stays in the realm of servant and we get to use it wisely. So, I just wanted to, to talk about steward. So I don't just throw the term steward out there and you're going, yeah, 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 that's cool, that's nice. But you're going, oh my goodness, what a privilege, what a responsibility. So <clears throat> that's the first principle, stewardship. Second one is, and, and this is a really big deal that we get this and there's nothing pulling the rug from under this. And that is to understand that God actually wants us to prosper. He wants us to prosper. We might have a background where we think he doesn't. We could have been taught that poverty is a virtue and that is the aim of a righteous believer. It's funny what comes in to the religious world. And if you think that poverty is the end goal, then uh, you're not going to give a rip about stewardship because uh, why would you bother looking after it when the aim is to not have it anyway to use for his purpose? So I want to just very briefly show you that God cares about our prosperity. There are 93 times in the Bible where the words prosper, prospered, prosperity, and prosperous are used. In the Old Testament, they are from the words soliac, which means to push forward, break out, and be profitable. From the word sakal, which means prosper, deal prudently, and have good success. And in the New Testament, uodu, which means succeed in reaching goals, succeed in business affairs, and prosper. You might think, okay, well, Pat, okay, I'll give you that much. All right, God's into my prosperity, but it's just spiritual prosperity. Well, if we just put these Bible verses in their context, we're going to see it's actually holistic prosperity. He wants us to prosper spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically, and financially. Amen. Yeah, let's give him a hand. That's our God's intention towards us. So Psalm 35 verse 27, let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my vindication, and let them say continually, the Lord be magnified, who delights in the prosperity of his servants. Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord brings what? Wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. Now that is radical. You see, if our aim is to seek stuff, it comes with trouble. If we're trying to fix an internal problem with the accumulation of things, it won't go well. The world we live in is trying to fix self-esteem, purpose, self-concept by thinking one day when I've got this much money and this much stuff, then I'll feel good about myself. And that is a treadmill you never get off and it doesn't do you any good, right? So that's that's trouble added. But when you seek God, when you understand His purposes, His blessing brings wealth. But 
because we're finding out who we are in Him, it doesn't come along with all of the hitchhikers, trouble, uh, uh, stress, debt, pressure, all these things. So that is a radical verse. He, he brings wealth and adds no trouble to it. Philippians 4.19, And my God shall meet <clears throat> excuse me, all of your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So, what does that mean? Excuse me. <clears throat> what does that mean? I'll just meet your needs. <clears throat> so is God saying, okay, it's not about, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not about your greed, it's about your need. He's just going to meet your need. Because otherwise, <clears throat> you know, that's not God's plan. It's just your need. I only, I only want what's enough. <clears throat> Sounds pious. Enough for who? Well, me. I just, I just want what, what's enough. Well, that's not in the Bible. The Bible is saying that if we put into practice the understanding of stewardship and wisdom and faith, that we would have more than enough so that we've got the ability to be a blessing. Really? You bet. Check out this verse in 2 Corinthians 9.11. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in what? Thanksgiving glory, honor to God. Wow. So I just wanted to, to look at that because if that's in the way of our understanding, then we would actually, we could even feel guilty about being prospered. Don't feel guilty. Just understand to those that much have been given, much is required. Use it to his glory. Amen. Okay, so are you ready to find out how we enter into this wonderful thing called the abundance of God? What are the keys for entering in? Well, to be a steward means that we embrace the attitude and the practice of generosity. Right? If it's been given to us to use to His glory, then we use it generously. And the way that the Bible shows us that we can uh, use His resources generously is through tithing and giving. A right? couple of things there, tithing and giving. Tithing, what a blessing. Uh, Amanda and I, uh, we started tithing before we were married. So we went to St. Albans Anglican Church at French's Forest and the Reverend Len Straw, uh, this godly gentleman, taught us about tithing and we just thought, that sounds awesome, we're in. And so, so we, we were tithers, which meant you give God the first 10%. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. <clears throat> so what that means is taking the first 10%. You no, know, before Lord Bill takes, or, or the Jedi Master card, 
takes, you know, you, you, the, you, it's not the leftovers. It's, it's, God, I am honoring you who has given me all of this in the first place. And I'm acknowledging that you are my Lord and I'm honoring you with the first 10%. Now, <clears throat> some people say to that, but Pat, we're not under the law. To which I say, amen, we are not. I, I am a New Testament guy. In fact, nothing gets me more riled than when you've got uh, people in the church trying to put other people in the church back under the law. Uh, for my texts, I have the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, and the rest of the New Testament. All right? The, the, the law's been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. We don't need to do things because we're under the law. But the tithe was established as a faith principle by our father of the faith, Abraham, 400 years before the tithe. And so it's not something I've got to do so I'm not under the curse of the law because I'm not under the law. But I want to honor God. I want to honor Him and acknowledge where my blessing comes from. So the first 10%. So we have been doing that now for almost 31 years together. It's just, that's what we do. That's what we do. We, we, uh, our, our finances come in and we just make sure that, that it just goes. That's God's. And we honor Him. And it has been a blessing to us. So <clears throat> tithing and I said giving. Tithing and giving. It's like tithing, I'm there acknowledging God and honoring Him with that first 10%. But I'm, th I'm thinking, man, New Testament, there's a whole lot there that just says, be generous towards God. In fact, anything in the Old Testament, the glory of that is nothing compared to the glory of the new. And so we think as stewards, come on, God, let us at it. How, how can we be involved in other stuff by being generous beyond the tithe? And so, how, how many years have we done Vision Builders for, hun? Oh, yeah, about 26 years, something like that, right? So we just, every year it comes around and we're, God, what are we going to do? We're stewards. How can we be a part of, of what you're doing? And you see, in eternity, we will have a story to tell that we didn't just attend C3 Oxford Falls. We sacrificially and with faith gave to the vision of our church and we get the privilege and the honor of doing that so <clears throat> giving means that we are a steward looking for ways beyond the tithe so that we can get into kingdom giving and uh, if you've never read second corinthians chapter 8 second corinthians chapter 9 i would encourage you to do it they are awesome Beautiful, wonderful, rich chapters on the theology of New Testament giving. And it's the Apostle Paul chatting to the Corinthians saying, guys, some of our churches in Jerusalem, they need a bit of a hand at the moment and you guys can give them a hand. Kind of when I was looking at it, I thought, this is like C3 Tugra saying, you know, Kenya can really do with some healthy disciple-making churches. And it's not going to happen unless we, with faith and sacrifice, enable Garth and Jamie Lee to pull it off. And so this is, so, I'm not preaching uh, to the uninitiated, I'm preaching to the converted here today. You're doing this. This is, this is the, 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 the fruit of a heart that is towards God in stewardship and generosity that I'm seeing in this church. And look at, look at what I've just pulled out three verses from 2 Corinthians 9 that tell you what this is like. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And I'm believing for this church, which is so and so abundantly into a church in another continent, that you are going to see God's abundance coming into C3 Tagra. Because God knows that He can get stuff through you, so He just keeps getting stuff to you because you are generous in your giving. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9.8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Oh my goodness. Now just in case it wasn't clear enough, let's just go a few more verses down. Verse 11, I love this. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Does that sound like it's describing someone who only has enough for their own need? Not at all. This is someone who's been blessed, but someone who understands the responsibility that goes along with that blessing. You'll be made rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You know, I was giving thanks when Pastor Julie got this wonderful young lady up before and just said a bit of her story. And, and you see, you can't, church can't do what church needs to do unless the saints are generous. You know, what does the tithe do? The tithe's awesome. It, it makes the week by week needs of the church something that's covered. The bills are paid. The lights are on. The land rates are done. The, the wages are paid. Church is open. The gospel's preached. People come to know Jesus, and it's awesome. That's what the tithe does. And then when we're generous above and beyond, and we're looking for how we might give, well then, my goodness, then stuff like I go to Nairobi, and I hear from a guy called John who's saying, I'm thanking God for C3. Because I would not have known Jesus except that this church came here and I heard the gospel. And now I know I'm not living. Once I had a ceiling that was so low in that slum. But now I know I can live a great life for God. Now that would not have happened unless there was generous giving in this church. So how, do, how are we good stewards that enter into abundance? Well, tithing and giving. They're a doorway in. And yet, as God sees how we sow and begins to sow generously to us, we don't want His blessing just to slip through our fingers because we're not being wise with the blessing He's sending in our direction. And that's where some of these wisdom things around stewardship really begin to kick in. Let's have a look at Luke 16, 10 to 12. Now, I'm going to be talking about a few things here, just kind of touching on them, but not going into the nitty-gritty of how you do it. I want to encourage you. If there's an area here that I touch on, you go, I don't know how to do that. Well, this day and age, there's no excuse because the skills, the knowledge is accessible to everyone. I'm going to give you some stuff that's on the net and that you can access. Uh, we'll talk about Christians Against Poverty. Uh, a crew that really help Christians to be able to stand up and do well. So as I go through, we'll look at some of these things. And if you think, oh, I need to know more, I'll give you some resources. But there's a whole bunch that you can access as well. Luke 16, 
10 to 12, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you're not being trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Once again, this is talking about what it is like to be a steward. Because if I really get that what he's put in my hands belongs to the living God, I'm going to upskill. I'm going to get knowledge. Because I want to handle well what belongs to God and he's put in my hands. I'm not going to wait. Sometimes people say that. Look, Pat, I don't have a lot of money. I'm just a student. When I'm rich, then I will. No, 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 no. It's whoever can be trustworthy with the little. So, so when he finds that we're the sort of people who will actually take the time to get good at this, he'll go, uh-huh, I can trust you with more. It's not going to just slip through your fingers. You're going to be wise about what you do with finances. I can trust you with more, and I can see that it's my purposes that you will have in mind. So with that in mind, let's look at some of these skills. First one, budgeting. Who's excited that I've just talked about budgeting? Who's pumped today? Who's in? Oh, come on. <clears throat> I bet you nobody got up this morning thinking, oh, I hope he's talking about budgeting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things that often people have had a little go at and they've just thought, Oh, look, I tried that and all that did was frustrate me because I wanted to do this stuff, but I had this budget and it, and it, and I, and it just stopped me from doing some of these things that, that I felt I'd like to do. May I encourage you that you're looking at a budget the wrong way. You see, a budget is an awesome tool where you tell your money where it's going to go rather than trying to work out at the end of the week where it went. Has anyone had that? You get two days in the week, flip, I thought I had, where'd that go? We well, see a budget tells it where to go. It's, you're taking control of your money. And so budgeting, it's better to see it more as a discipline for freedom than a constraint. Right? So in, in budgeting, I am disciplining my finances so that I am free to achieve my goals. Hello. That's worth Twittering. That's good. I'm disciplining my finances so that I am free to achieve my goals. Because if I don't apply discipline to my finances, then when opportunity arises, guess who doesn't have a brass razoo to send in that direction? Because I've just frittered it away on the things I thought would be a good idea. So, ladies and gentlemen, all of us are going to suffer one kind of pain or another. James Rohn put it this way, we can either feel the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The pain of discipline, in comparison, is as light as a feather. The pain of regret weighs a thousand tons. So, discipline is this great tool where we take control as a steward for the Lord. So how do we do this? Budgeting is where we think ahead about our payments. We save ahead of time rather than getting a surprise and having to go into debt to make our payments. 
to make a budget, you total your income from different sources. And if you're married, you treat all of your income as ours. Now, I probably just said someone that blew someone's world apart right there. You've got to be kidding me. I've got my money. She's got hers. And, and we just do. Look, I reckon that if a married couple are one in Christ, and if we have, as a married couple, a mission together, and if as a married couple we share values, then how do you fund your mission and how do you express those values more profoundly than the way you use your resources? And if resources are going in a couple of different directions, then I would think we might have division rather than one vision. So here's the thing though. If you've come into a marriage and your background has been, well, my family, just whatever we had, we spent. And your partner is, well, we spend nothing because, because we just save it all up to one day when we're retired and turn that light off, please. And, and, and that comes into a marriage. Who knows that's tough, all right? But I would encourage you, better to sit down and say, what are our dreams and goals together? And how will we, with our, our resources that God has given us as one, going to achieve that? I reckon the, the, the finances that are his and hers create more uh, marital disharmony than just about anything else. So you look at your income and you look at it as ours. And then you list all your expenses. Weekly, monthly, and irregular. It's the irregular ones that tend to get people in the neck. Like, oh no. I didn't get ready for registration and, and CTP. Ah! It's going to have to go on visa. But what if, little by little, little by little, little by little, little by little, here it comes. Here's the bill, got it, sorted, no interest. And then once you look at your incomes and your expenses, you look to see which is greater. And if your income is greater than your expenses, praise God. Save and invest. See, working for money is pretty cool, but there's something a bit cooler. Getting your money to work for you. So you save, you get advice, and you invest. But what if it's the other way around? Let me encourage you, 99% of people who do a budget look at it and go, Oh my God, how have I been living? My expenses are more than my income. Ah. Well, then there's a few things that you can do. One, make sure you're a tither and a giver and you're listening to this wisdom that we're talking about today. It's going to help. Second thing you can do is look at your income and prayerfully say, God, is there ways that I can increase my income? It's amazing what you start thinking about when you do that. Now, I'm not talking about being driven. Because you're not increasing your income so you can get more stuff to feel good about yourself. That'll drive you. I'm talking about believing in God, how to increase your income so you can be a great steward and you can be involved in his kingdom purposes. That's not driven, right? That's an opportunity that God blesses. Big difference. And then the third thing you can do is have a look at your expenses and have a look at some that could be minimized. Do we still need to do that thing that we've done? 
Could we maybe not go for a holiday overseas this year, do a local one, the kids will love it just as much. Right? You, you look at your expenses and you start to make some decisions. So how do you make a budget work? Well, you plan it together with your partner if you're married. Secondly, you're disciplined. Anyone here got a gym subscription? Okay. Isn't it amazing? Like it probably wasn't inexpensive, but you still got to turn up to the gym for the thing to work. <laughs> and you might do a ripper of a budget, but unless you're disciplined to implement it, that budget will be, be just fantastic on your computer, but it won't do you an ounce of good. So you've actually got to, we, we, we prayerfully decided this, and we're going to stick to it. And I know I'd really like to do that thing, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stick with my budget. The other thing we do, you know how we're getting the little by little? Little by little, little by little. We're putting it away for tax if we're a small business person. Little by little, little by little. We're putting it away for insurance, whatever. And then this opportunity comes up and you think, oh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna do that thing. Keep it for when that expense comes up that you know is coming. And then you're going to be thanking God that you did. So you're disciplined. And reassess when the situation changes. Now, I know I've just given you a flyover view, but I'm going to give you a great website that tells you how to budget. Second one. You ready for more? Here we go. Don't go into debt. In fact, let me just take my coat off. I'm getting a bit steamed up here. <laughs> Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Romans 13.8, Let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another, for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. I think as pastors, Amanda and I, um, <clears throat> we've been doing that for a long time and probably some of the most pressured people we have ever seen on the planet have been those who have got themselves into a debt situation that they could not see the way out of. I've, I've seen people in despair and various things have got them into that situation and it's just a really pressure way to do things. The world we live in is addicted to debt. Because if the way you think you're going, to you're going to fix about feeling good about yourself is to buy more stuff, you probably can't do it on your income. If the only way to feel good about yourself is to have more things, then you probably need to go into debt. And, and so the world we live in, this is, this is a punishing way to live. And my heart for believers is to just press that pressure relief valve that we do our finances wisely. And, uh, you know, just a couple of scenarios here. Here's one. I can get a new car now with debt. Or I could get a car someone else has taken out of the showroom, is only two years old, is looking pretty darn good, and I had a few more years and I saved up and I bought it myself. Who's on the trajectory towards wealth? <laughs> 
Because one person has just bought a depreciating item and is going to spend three times the amount on it. The other person, yeah, their car's going to still depreciate, but the major hit was taken by the guy who bought it new. And they're buying it with what they saved. They're the person who's looking at their budget going, hang on a minute, I've got a little bit more. I can save and invest. Another classic, holiday with debt. Okay, I didn't plan. I want to do a holiday, put her on visa, come back. And after a couple of weeks of paying that debt off, you're going, oh, I can hardly remember that holiday. I'm in, under so much pressure with the debt. And the whole point of the holiday, which was to bring refreshing, is wiped out by the debt at what percentage is it now? 17? I don't know. Or have the break, absolutely, but maybe for the moment, turn it down a few notches. Go to a nice cabin in a caravan park. The kids will love it just as much as if you're overseas. And, and then get your finances in order. And then maybe one day you get to that point, you go, you know what? Our budget's in good shape. We can do the overseas thing, but you do it at the right time. And you might be thinking, but Pat, what about debt for a house and stuff like that? Glad you asked. Debt on appreciating items with wisdom can be a good thing because you're using someone else's money to get yourself into a wealth creation opportunity. Just make sure you're being wise about it. So uh, buying a house in an appreciating market with debt, that can, be, that can be smart stewardship. Just get good advice before going in there so you're not biting off more than you can chew. <clears throat> okay, couple more things. Do not go guarantor. Do not go guarantor. Proverbs 6, 1 to 5. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, if you have struck hands in pledge for another, if you have been trapped by what you said and snared by the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, to free yourself. Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, Go and humble yourself. Press your plea with your neighbor. Allow no sleeps to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Now, my goodness. That, it, Proverbs 6, yes, that's Solomon. There's some wisdom right there. And it is saying, if you have gone guarantor, what's that mean? Someone else is taking out a loan and, and the person taking out a loan hasn't got the assets for the person giving the loan uh, to act as security. So it's too much of a risk. They say, well, if you're unable to pay it, I don't have something of yours I can grab. Find someone else whose stuff I can grab. And here's the toughest one, here's, here's the toughest scenario of the lot. Often it's mum and dad who have retired, they're approached by a child with a business idea and the bank won't give them a loan because they don't have the collateral. And the worst possible thing, and it's happened, is when the business didn't work and mum and dad's house is gone. And it's ruined the relationship and, and, it's, and it's devastated mum and dad and it's devastated and filled with guilt the child. I reckon... If we just apply this wisdom and don't go that way, God will open our eyes to other ways that are 
It may not be right now. That's the problem. Often we go, there's the opportunity. I need to do this now. No, we don't. We can do it when the time's right, when we're able to pull it off. And I might, okay, brief mentions of a couple more. Do not cheat or gain money dishonestly. (laughs) You might think, well, Pat, of course, we're all Christians here. Proverbs 11.1, the Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights are his delight. Um, The first business Amanda and I started was a a little business called Ozico, and it was uh, a business where we uh, rode a whole lot of school excursions uh, for biology and geography classes and science classes, and we would approach schools and say, look, why don't you give your teachers a break, we'll run the excursion, we'll provide the notes, we've got the gear, and we'll give them a first-rate HSC biology excursion according to the curriculum. Well, our little business boomed. But at the beginning of it, things were tight, really tight. We're trying to get promotional material together. I'm wondering, how are we going to afford this? I went to my uncle. He had a company that puts promotional material together. And he showed us what he could do. And I'm looking, I go, that looks fantastic. He goes, well, Pat, there's two ways we can do this. Um, We can do it cash, nobody knows, and you don't need to pay sales tax. Or um, we can do it all legit, I'll give you an invoice, and uh, you'll have to pay uh, 20% sales tax. Now, I thank God that we had already made something called a predetermined decision. And our predetermined decision is this, that we're going to honor God with the way we do wealth. And and so I wasn't there going, flip, will I, won't I? I, I I think I would have been done if I was making that decision in the spot, because there was financial pressure, and you know, you make some dud decisions under pressure, but I'd already made the decision, and I just looked at him and went, let's do it with the tax. I just said, I can't believe I just said that. Anyway, let's do it with the tax. I didn't know I was going to become a pastor, be talking to my uncle every time we've got a family gathering, you know, Um, but God, you know how I said God bless that business? I reckon these sort of decisions are why. We we just believed that even if we did things that looked like in the short term, it was a bit of a strange decision if we were trying to make wealth, like paying more tax, that he's big enough to just go, okay, because you're honoring me, I'll look after you. Don't go for the quick dollar. Proverbs thirteen eleven, dishonest money dwindles away. But he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. I've got a testimony. I'm, I'm going to testify, brothers and sisters, that, that uh, 17 years ago, uh, we were shown a way that we could make some wonderful money quickly. And we were shown how, and you see, we were tithing and giving. And so I thought, this is God. This is awesome. How good is this? And so we made some rather large investments uh, into things that were at best scams and at worst really bad investments. We are still paying interest on the loan that went into that. So I want you to feel my pain and I want you to benefit from my investment into this knowledge. Uh Uh-huh. Let let all the pain be mine and not yours. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Do your own due diligence. Don't trust someone else. No one looks after your money better than you do when you're seeking to do it for the Lord. And do not go for the quick buck. 
money, it says there, grows little by little through legitimate work and legitimate investments. Amen. And finally, God blesses our work. Proverbs 10.4, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. You know, every time that if, if I look at Amanda's and my story of when we made a, a, a step of wealth creation, when we, we look back over the years and it's like we went from one level to another, it's always coincided with a heightened time of work. So I think back in the day, this would have been six years after we were married and we had our, um, did we have Jacinta before we moved into Ameren Street? Yes. All right. So we had our first little one and it was time to get a bit of space for the growing family. So we bought the worst house in the street. Uh, you know, Renovator's Delight? Abso it was abs not just a little bit, it needed some work. And for 12 months, we worked and then we worked. We'd do our work and then we'd come home and we'd do some more on the weekend. We'd do some more. And for 12 months, we did that. But at the end of that 12 months, we suddenly had made this incremental step. I say suddenly. Sometimes it takes a long time to move suddenly, doesn't it? A, 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 a year of work. But that gave us a place that had grown in value that enabled us to move forward in wealth. This year, we are almost empty nesters. Our daughter, Jacinta, is in Melbourne. Our son, Tyler, is living in the backyard shed. It's sort of like the departure lounge. <clears throat> so he's in the cabin. And that, yeah, not the shed, not the shed. It is, it's actually, it's a very nice cabin. And we covet him being there. It's such a nice little spot. But, um, and that, that freed up some rooms down the bottom of the house. And we're looking at this, go, what are we going to do with this? Let's make it into a one-bedroom apartment. So this year in February, March, April, May, guess what Pat and Amanda were doing after work? Work. The night before we went to Africa, we were, we were up to midnight painting, right? But it was just a season, not driven, because I don't feel good about myself. I keep saying this, don't I? But I think it's really important to say the difference. Not driven, because I don't feel good about myself. I know who I am in Christ. But seeing an opportunity, giving God some work so he can bless it. And he has. We're finished. And we've got, what, three people coming around this afternoon to have a look at renting an office. So, this is how we do the practical stuff. So, when do you start? Now. Uh, what if I'm in deep trouble right now? No better time than right now to seek God for a solution and get help. I have never seen someone who's got a debt problem fix that by sticking their head in the sand. Not a once. Not a once. So what do you do? You communicate with the people you owe money to. You come up with a plan. You work the plan. It takes discipline. But then you get set free from that debt and you've got a story to tell of how good God is. There are people that help us. Christians Against Poverty. Uh, Julie's got details on that. And we'll be able to tell you if you need to be able to do a budget or to get out of debt, they can help. There's also a, a course called Wealth with Purpose by Alex Cook. I've got the details in my notes. The 
notes are available to everyone in this church. So uh, you can find out. He's got a course on how to make a budget, how to uh, do your finances with your spouse. There's all this individual stuff. There's church stuff that you can access through a church. There's stuff if you're in a small business. And so this guy just makes it available for 30 bucks a month. And he says, use them all while you're paying the 30 a month. So that's accessible. And then the third one is you can get all manner of great budgets online. One is called moneysmart.gov.au. And it's a government one that says, this is why you need to budget. Here's how you go about it. And it's already got the template there for Australian conditions. So there's so much good stuff. Let me finish with this. As, as I encourage us to truly grab a hold of what it means to be a steward. This I know as a pastor, that if Pastor Phil and Julie get us back at some stage in yonder future, that someone will come up to me and say, Pat, you know when you were talking, I mean, this is, this is like being in C3 College today, right? right? Lots of content, but I'm believing God's spoken to everybody about something. And someone will come up to me and say, Pat, you know that stuff you, you said about debt? It changed my life because I took action. This is what I did. And there'll be somebody else here and they'll be exactly the same because they didn't take the steps. Can I stir you that no matter where you're at, you're not beyond God's redemption of your finances and it's not going so well that we can't give him more glory by learning a few more skills, amen? And I'm about to hand over to Pastor Phil, but Amanda and I, we believe that God has, has actually anointed us to set people free into a new realm of finances. So we're gonna hang out here and we're gonna believe with whoever wants prayer, the prayer of agreement, that you're gonna take a step and a new day in finances and sure it might be some really practical stuff but do you know it's so good about the Holy Ghost when we make a decision and take a step it's not just us battling it out He anoints us to help us do it and that's why we want to pray for people so C3 Tugra it's been my pleasure to speak to you this morning and an honour to be a part of your vision builders and I believe that God's spoken to some hearts today and uh, we'd love to pray for anybody afterwards thank you so much We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Selfless faith to live like Christ for all our days.